0: I'm Amanda Connor, and you're listening to Top 5 Comics
1: Podcast.
2: Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast. People talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today we have Journey into Mystery with Josh.
0: What up, what up?
2: We're also featuring the mighty CBS.
0: I like how mighty. That's good. That's good stuff.
2: And we're also featuring the irredeemable Rob. Hi, hi.
0: I like how you got the newest title.
2: Well, I was running out of them.
0: That's none of those are Battery Bill.
2: I don't think Battery Bill had the title. It would have mm. been. It would have had to been like Battery Bill, the Star Killer. Josh,
0: that been pretty good. <laughs>
2: I don't know if you even had that as a title. Was it Star? It wasn't.
0: No, <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It should
2: have been though. Horse it's face Thor. Thor. That that title would have been awesome. Heck yeah. Could, too too late now. Could be Guardian of the Universe.
1: That's true.
2: A Ray Bill, Guardian of the Universe. He'll never get a movie,
1: but he has a damn cool hammer. That's true. Or it could be I'm a terrible character and should have never been invented.
0: That's not true. Better Bill is like the best thing ever. Horseface Thor, he's awesome.
2: I think you're going for it. Thor girl. Look her up, she's weird.
0: Not <laughs> girl Thor or current Jane Foster Thor. No, no, different actually. character.
2: Thor girl with quotation marks. Yeah.
0: Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast. <laughs> Man. Uh, today we're doing episode number
2: 110. Yeah!
0: Oh yeah. Uh, so books today we're going to be doing uh, Daredevil number 600, Terrifics number 1, Lucy Dreaming number 1, which is from Boom Comics, then we have Mira from uh, DC Comics, and uh, Cable, issue number 155, that's from Marvel of course, I don't know why I didn't say Daredevil is from Marvel, because it is, and the Terrifics is from DC, so like there are a whole bunch of books that are, well not all of them, a few books that are newer. So if you're not a, not used to the titling, I mean, Trifix is one of the New Age of hero stuff that DC's doing. Mira, of course, is uh, Aquaman's lady, and she's got her own mini series right now. So that'll be good times. We don't have any Ross, which is getting to be more normal than not, which I don't like. But uh, we still have a little bit of news. So no dog pile today, but that's that's all right. As far as news stuff, Willa from uh, the Arrow TV show is exited the uh, Arrow series. Uh In the last maybe the last two episodes, she had decided to move on to do other things in life, which uh, was apparently her decision, so I guess we'll see what that leads to. Hopefully, it leads to a Speedy and Arsenal show about hunting Lazarus pits, because I think that would be freaking awesome, because I will think she's great. So that's a little bit of TV news, I guess. As far as comic book stuff, we got an announcement that we're going to have a couple new Justice Leagues, which I don't remember if we talked about this before or not. Uh, we're gonna have Justice League Odyssey is one of them. That guy's gonna be written by, uh, Joshua Williamson, and at least the beginning, the art's gonna be by Steven Sijic. So if, uh, you've been following Aquaman, like, maybe two months ago, he was the guy doing Aquaman before that, he did a bunch of Witchblade stuff. Uh, a lot of stuff for Image Comics. Uh, the thing that's crazy about Odyssey is we're gonna have Dark Side as a member. Would you say, whoa, 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 Dark Side? And I don't know why you say it that way, but that's apparently what you said. Well, think about it like the Little Loki storyline. Like, recently we had Darkseid turn into a kid, and now he's growing up. So this is Darkseid before he's adult evil Darkseid, which explains how that works, sort of. Hmm. So I think that'll be interesting. We're supposed to also have Azrael on that team and then a batch of other folks, but those two are like the craziest ones with Darkseid, the most crazy of the group. Has, has it been confirmed that it's actually Darkseid? Yes, it has. Okay,
2: because I was going to say, Grill had a child... That was Dark Side's child.
0: And it's also Dark Side. Oh, so think about Kid Apocalypse. Same idea.
2: So it's like a my own grandpa kind of thing. Kind of,
0: yeah. Kind of, yeah. yeah. It's it's weird. It's weird, but I mean that's kind of a cool thing. So we're gonna new look for Dark Side, and it'll be Dark Side before he's evil killer style. So that'll be neat.
2: I wonder if this is how you make classic Dark Side the norm again. Maybe because New Fifty Two Dark Side. I guess they're going to usher out, which is odd, because I mean, like, I didn't feel like they changed Dark Side that much.
0: Not really. Anyways. We'll see where it comes, where it goes. Uh, there's also a, re- a relaunching of Just League Dark. Apparently this one's going to be headed by Wonder Woman, so we'll see how that goes. Boo. I don't know a whole lot about that, but unfortunately we don't seem to see John Constantine in the
1: list, so yeah. that's too bad. Boo. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Leslie Dark was great. I love Constantine. I know. I'm saying I'm, I'm bummed out that Wonder Woman's leading it.
0: Yeah, I thought that'll be weird. There's nothing dark about Wonder Woman. Oh, wow, she's one of the kill fools, man. Even before New Fifty Two, mm. breaking breaking dudes' necks and shit. Awesome. Anyway, news wise, I'm sure there's other things, but that's pretty much all I got this week.
1: So that's a
0: fail for me.
1: Um, you got anything over there, Josh? They will Marvel is going to. Bring back Fantastic Four starting in August. Oh, that's true. It's yeah, kind of a big deal because they've been out of the game for a while, but since they kind of um, absorbed Fox, so to speak, that they have the rights back to that so they can actually start yeah. doing the comic. In.
0: Yeah, the thing about that, though, is the movie deal, even though the money's been spent, like it still hasn't been approved. So as far as the Four no, coming it's, back...
1: It's a thing. Um, yeah. At some
0: point, I'm sure it will be whether going, they make a new company
1: or not. Um, it's going to be written by Dan Slott and drawn by Sarah Pacelli. Right? So, Dance Lots,
0: Spider Man guy.
1: The little promo art they put out looks really cool. Like, might be really, really good. So, I have always liked Fantastic for I'm probably going to be into that. So,
2: and see. I would much rather think that it's because the Marvel 2 and 1 is doing so well. It's with, actually with really the good. Thing and yeah. and the Human Torch.
1: Well, I think Marvel's way of strong arming um, the other companies into, like, trying to, like, get that, make that, th- was. To make it all a thing again was to quit doing books like and not like with the X Men even they quit making new mu- new mutants and made them Inhumans and they started to do that to try to make because any new character that they any new mutant they created they could use in a movie and like Marvel was like tired of not having their own properties anymore so the same with the Fantastic Four they were just tired of it like I think so that's why they just quit doing the book to, to give them no promotion whatsoever
2: some some of that's definitely true uh, a lot of that was like, I and I probably am wrong with this, but I think it's Kevin Foggy. Fahey. Fahey. He hates the X-Men. <laughs> he hated them so much, he had them removed from the promotional calendar where She-Hulk tells it, you know, has, has the famous line on there, oh, if you don't buy it this time, I'm going to tear up all your X-Men. He had that removed from the calendar. So it was like, if you don't buy my book this time, I'm going to come up and tear up all your other issues. No X-Men you mentioned. He was the driving force behind get the X Men out of here, but Marvel definitely was big on. They thought they could just pull the switcheroo and just put the Inhumans in, and nobody would know the difference.
0: Well, they definitely so tried.
2: We know the difference.
1: Well, I mean, it it was specifically stated that that's why they were doing it, like because any new like mutant that they created was was fodder for the the cinematic universe over like. So that's what who's Fox did. Fox X-Men. Fox
0: doesn't have the right sex. Well has the right yeah, sex. Yeah, so still, I mean but, so
1: any and then they were just tired they're tired of not having it. They wanted their, their property back, so they just they were like, We're not gonna give you any comic support whatsoever.
0: And ultimately so, that that does that, that didn't really do anything. Like the same yeah. thing with the Fantastic Four, they still put their movie out anyway.
1: Well, Fox went ahead and did it anyway, but they didn't like but there was no comic support, there was no this, there's no
0: Oh so, no, yeah. So like
1: the movies the X movies have been doing okay, but like the the Fantastic Four movies were or horrible, yeah. especially that new one.
2: Well, I, I would say legitimately as a comic fan, the Fantastic Four, whether they had a comic coming out or not, wasn't going to help. Uh, the Fantastic Four are a great idea, but like, you know, it's kind of sad when you think about it. Like their focus is the family, and that's not something that people care about right now. I mean, really, like the family dynamic is not something that draws people into that book.
1: Well, I mean. Look over at DC with with Superman. Superman's like truth, justice, the American way. Family, like like wholesome. It just needs to be written well. It needs to be drawn well. And that, that's the thing is, like every my biggest frustration with comics in general is and this is like across the board that they they bring on and they get people excited and they do like a three issue arc with a brilliant artist and a great writer and then they just falls off right after that and they expect people to stay on and it's like, you can't bring somebody like, um, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of, I'm like totally blanking on a good Ed, artist. Ed McGinnis? Yeah, Ed McGinnis onto a book for three but and everybody's like, yeah, this book's amazing and then like, then after that arc, he's done. It's like, I think that an artist needs to stick with the book for a while to keep people interested in it.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Okay, I mean, right now the writers are the rock stars, so you got to keep that writer.
0: Depends on who you talk to. Like, Steven Seager is the same thing. Like, he's such a fantastic artist that people will follow it simply because they the artist. But once we get past the arc, I mean, we we straight up know guys that'll leave because he's yeah. not part of it. And it's understandable, because usually they follow it up with somebody that's not even half the caliber. So, like, as far as, like, rock stars either direction, I mean, it still slides both ways. I'll give you the writer phase is a lot hotter right now than other stuff in general. But as far as, like, a thing, the Four's always had a problem. Like, everybody always talks, oh, yeah, I can't wait for another Fantastic Four book, and we've been hearing that for uh, at least at least a year. And, like, some of the dudes, some of the people that are saying it are, like, really legit about it, and there's a whole bunch of others are just like, oh, I just like the idea of a Fantastic Four book, because when they were going... Nobody read them. Yeah, that's true. Like, in our shop, we definitely, we didn't carry Fantastic Four at all for about two years. Like, out of the ten year stint, none. And that wasn't because the book wasn't coming out. Because nobody cared. And then they decided they start killing people, and all of a sudden people want to get on board again. Oh, they're going to kill Johnny? Ooh. That's true. All right. Yeah, it's, it's sad because the Hickman run was pretty epic,
2: but I think the beginning of it, we didn't have it. Nobody was reading it. But um yeah, I don't know. I mean hopefully hopefully it succeeds this time. But yeah, I, I hate it when the film stuff infects the comic stuff. But and probably with Fox, it makes sense, but it's a bad way to do business. You know, you, you it's really it's really slap to the comic people to to try to pull back like that. And the downside is I don't know if it was an official release or not, but somebody had mentioned like, oh, we're just not gonna put our best effort towards the X Men.
0: Now, There's a batch of writers that came out in interviews saying that they were told they weren't allowed to create new characters because anything new became a Fox right. property. So there's multiple writers that said that in interviews. No whether it was just two guys and it got around to a bunch of places or not, I mean who knows. But distinctly we saw a fall off of X Men books and a rise of inhuman books, and then we had an Inhuman's T V show that I've never seen, but I've been told did really bad. That's yeah, true. And I mean,
2: whether whether it was true or not, we definitely saw the amount of X-Books cut down.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It didn't last long, but...
2: No, I because it just... it didn't work, you know?
0: Right. Yeah, but... we'll see how it goes this time around. I mean, yeah, I think it'll be cool, and at least the four at the beginning will start good. And if they follow the suit that they were using in 2-in-1, the 2-in-1's been great. Like, the John Johnny and the Thing story? Awesome. I really expected the Fantastic Four to turn out to be like a Franklin Valerie, Johnny and Ben kind of thing. But apparently according to the write ups is going to be Sue and Reed, so I didn't I guess we'll see if the first family can hold on to it again. I mean they killed Johnny, made the Future Foundation, and that worked okay while Spider Man Spider Man was there. Spider Man punched out and all of a sudden no one cared. And then they had the second series of Future Foundation, and the second series was a totally different cast of characters, savor the kids. So it's basically power-packed with Mira. Now, I like Mira just fine, but she's still, what, an inhuman. So... Oh, okay. As far as the thing, like, all those kids, like, I they, think they even, work good together. I think you mean
2: Medusa, not Medusa. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, Medusa. Sorry, redhead, my bad. I was confused
2: there for a minute. I thought you were making an analogy.
0: No, not at all. I'm not smart like that. Mira, which is looking me right in the face because she's sitting here on the, the yeah. soundboard, so... How you doing? Oh, yeah? No? no. me Because you can't see it? Okay. <laughs> Issue one of Mira covers great, it's, by the way. It's a, it's a pretty good book. Yeah, good stuff. Anyway, uh, I think that's all I've got for uh, new stuff. Is there anything else over there, Josh, that you figured out or seen? Um,
1: there's also, this is not, it's, it's comic news, but it's big. DC has some big um thing going on with Alex Ross where he's going to put out a bunch of limited uh, lithographs. And um, he, his first one that's coming out is a, a reimagining um, of the first, like, the, of uh, Action Comics number one. Oh, the first cover and first issue? Yeah, and it's like a lithograph It's be a limited run, but it looks beautiful. Like, cool. well, I mean, Alex Ross doesn't do bad work, but, I mean, it looks amazing. It looks really cool. So that's kind of exciting. I don't, I'm sure it'll be a couple hundred dollars, but... Well, yeah,
0: for sure. But, he's, not...
1: but it's like, That's some new deal that he has. He's going to do some variant covers and some lithographs and things like that. So,
0: yeah, lately we've seen a trend with certain artists that they get their own covers. And so they sell them through their own artware websites like Frank Cho's got one. J. Scott Campbell got, yeah, J. Scott Campbell. Yeah. As a person, as an artist, he's fantastic. But yeah, as far as that, Arthur Adams got one too. So like it's a trend that. I don't know when it started, but it, it's it's uh, a it's a weird trend because you're talking like twenty plus dollar books just because of the cover, and like I get like a limited variant, and I guess the way these are working is they're purchasing them in the style of like their store. So the idea of like if our shop was bigger, had more support in the valley, then getting five thousand copies of one issue. Would still be crazy because of where we live, but if we were like in a bigger city, it would be different as a thing, but you know, whatever. Anyhow, but yeah, that's that's cool. I like the Alex Ross thing. I think the dude's a great artist for sure, no doubt. Expensive lithographs, but you know, whatever. It's a fancy poster. If you don't know what a lithograph is, it's a fancy poster. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you don't know, you know. Now you know. No, he's out the battle? Ha, ah, I got it in there early. GI yeah, Joe. I like how I'm playing with myself over here. Sure the... You are doing fine. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> ah, well, I guess so that's it for news. Ready Player One opened. Yeah,
2: that's great. And it is
0: awesome. Yeah, good stuff. It's enough enough about that. I guess we can talk about that another episode sometime. Do another movie one. Uh, so let's see. Uh, let's go move into comic books, huh? Just to
1: let
0: you know, there will be spoilers. Um, Rob, you want to regale us with a tale of Daredevil number 600?
2: I do, because it's a huge number.
0: That's true. Marvel Legacy numbers.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: Good luck figuring that out.
2: Well, the the trick is to figure out, like, where you should start. Well, yeah. You
0: know, well, yeah.
2: You could you could probably start with this, because it's, you know, the, the story title is Mare Fisk. Yeah? So, just a little bit of, uh, I guess behind... The scenes for this are stuff that's happened previously that might Mm -hmm. be important to know. We wound up getting a sidekick kind of for Daredevil for a little while called Blindside. Blindside could use his suit to turn invisible. And Daredevil was kind of teaching him for a little while. Well, that makes us run into the Muse. And the Muse is an inhuman who seems to have probably enhanced strength and durability. Muse has been really big on putting graffiti out lately, but he actually ripped out both of Blindside's eyes.
0: He's the guy with the, with the most of the white covers and the red, black, and the yeah, he's black like outlines. Black and white. Yeah. And it's yeah. like
2: his eyes are bleeding. Yeah. Blindside has then made a deal with the hand to get his sight back, and probably took a lot more in than he should have. Meanwhile. The kingpin's gone legit, ran for mayor, won, and decided to have Matt Murdock as his assistant mayor. Yeah. To kind of keep him close. He's also used the power of the mayor's office to put a open arrest warrant on all vigilantes. So most of the superiors that we know can be arrested by the police now. All right. So, coming into 600. So,
1: at this point does he know that Matt Murdock is Daredevil? He does. Okay.
2: He does. He's been playing it pretty close to the chest on like how he's going to manipulate that because the rest of the world still thinks that Matt Murdock is not Daredevil. because it's been out and then shown that he wasn't Daredevil and then he's been shown that he was and then
1: Yeah, yeah so I just I'm not sure at what point we were st- we were still there or not. So,
2: Yeah, at this point people believe Daredevil and Matt are two separate people. So this one's going to be written by Charles Sewell, and then I have art by Ron Garney. And the 600 issue has a lot of stuff going on. We actually open it up with Daredevil enacting a plan to try to catch Fisk basically cutting up all of New York for all the crime bosses. He's got half of the underbelly of New York in this warehouse. So he's got uh Hammerhead and... Diamondback and, uh, Black Cat and a whole bunch of other ones all, all in there ready to divide New York. Since Matt knew about it, he called basically all the defenders in and he's going to spring a trap. So when Fisk gets in there, they'll all jump down, and start a battle. Matt will call the police. By the time the cops get there, the cops are going to be more interested in arresting the gangsters than they are arresting the superheroes.
0: Sounds like a good plan in theory.
2: Yeah. Downside is, they wind up keeping on on waiting and waiting, and eventually the criminals start getting way too antsy. And one of the people that's there is Moon Knight, and he keeps wanting to be like, let's just jump in. Let's just do it. Um, Meanwhile, we actually wind up having the Muse once again fighting against Blindside. Blindside has just defaced one of his big murals, and so Muse wants to show up and... uh, Continue what he thinks is his epic story with Blindside. They wind up having a little bit of a battle, and Blindside gets kicked off the top of the roof, uh, which leads to, like, Muse talking about how, oh, we should just wait, (laughs) conclude this battle at another time because it'll be a better story. And Blindside being like, no, we're gonna finish it right now. This is, this is the end of this battle, right? Or whatever. Once everything is uh, said and done, though, the gangsters start kind of open firing on each other. The superheroes jump in to stop it. And what do you know? The police are already there. They come busting in from all sides to arrest everybody. The
0: good, only one. Good who, guys, bad guys, doesn't matter. Yeah. The
2: mm-hmm. only one who held back was um, Daredevil and Misty Knight. I think another person. Oh, Echo. I think she didn't get arrested either, maybe. Either way. So the police uh, are carting off everybody, including Spider-Man, who winds up just barely, like, keeping them from revealing his identity. And we wind up catching up with the Kingpin, and he's just about to have this big rally in the middle of, uh... I don't think it's Central Park, but it might be. I don't mm. know if they actually said. It's probably more like a park in Hell's Kitchen, but... Regardless, Daredevil shows up to confront Fisk, because he knew that it was, you know, Fisk set him all up. And Fisk kind of keeps trying to antagonize him to get into a fight with him. He's, like, carrying around the sledgehammer and keeps trying to make Daredevil strike at him. And when Daredevil refuses, he goes to, like, hit himself in the face with the sledgehammer so that he can claim, like, Daredevil came and roughed me up before this big announcement or whatever. Of course, Daredevil stops him, but it leaves him open, and he gets beaten the heck out of by the Kingpin, left there to be picked up by the police. Meanwhile, we have Blindside and Muse fighting, and Muse is just working him, and finds out that he has new eyes, and he's basically like, oh, I should rip out your eyes again. And he's like, oh, no, no, that would be repeating myself. So instead, why don't I rip out your tongue? And that's when we find out that, like, some of the deal to get these eyes left something much darker inside of Blindside, something that once... A sacrifice. And when it comes out, it powers up Blindside a lot. So much so that he actually starts the roof on fire and uh, is able to blow back Muse. And as Muse and him are kind of fighting, Muse is like, no, this shouldn't be happening. This is my story. You're supposed to be, you know, just a bit character. And this thing inside of him is just, like, calling out for him to kill this guy. So we'll leave the end of that kind of open... But the other thing is when Fisk goes out and makes his big announcement, there's another really big thing that happens and it's going to change a lot about what's going on in New York from there out. And it's like a kind of a big deal for what 600 is going to be. So I don't want to like. It's a pretty big reveal. Yeah. I don't want to throw that out right now, but basically like Fisk, Fisk has been playing a lot with his power as mayor. And he's done some things that now are going to come back to bite him, or at least the people that are connected to him. But uh, a lot of his sins are coming back on him in the story. So, but as for a six hundred, it's it's pretty impressive, and it has some pretty long standing stuff for Daredevil. Cool. You got a score for that book, Rob? I would. I I would do. I do a four. I really enjoyed it. There was um. There's a few spots that it kind of. Drag a little bit, but for the most part, I thought it was actually a really, really well done story. It has big implications. Maybe it should have been more because it's six hundred, but I mean the implications that are there are pretty out of control. And it does have a nice backup story where they reaffirm like how important Foggy is. So, but yeah, for the most part, I'd, I'd give it a four. I enjoyed it.
0: Cool, uh, Josh, guys, go for that book. Um.
1: Three and a half. I think it's maybe even a three. I don't like the fact that they're just ripping off the, <clears throat> um, the Lex Luthor being president like thing. It's like the same story.
0: But that's like, so old.
1: It doesn't matter. It's like <laughs> it's been done. Like you take one of the biggest villains and you put him in a political seat and like then he like abuses his power. It's just, it's been done before, and Lex Luthor did it on such a grander scale. You know, and then he even got his own metahumans for a while, like, with, like, Captain Atom and Hawkman and Shazam even, like, like. so it's just kind of, I wonder if they might end up going that route with this, too, like, you know, the Kingpin gets his own metahumans to work for him kind of thing.
2: But he was definitely doing some shady stuff while he was running the show, you know, and not only setting the cops on all the, the capes, but... He was, he was, he was still being basically the kingpin. He was just being on a lower level. The big manipulation that's been leading up to this point is him keeping Matt so close to him.
0: So. Right on. Um, yeah, you know, I split the difference between the two. You go so with three and a half. Um, Art's pretty good as far as like his story is concerned. It does cover a lot of ground and that whole like treachery setup because he knows Daredevil is Murdoch. Mm. And so like keep your enemies close but keep your, Oh, yeah, keep your friends closer, your enemies closer. Like I think that's a pretty big thing he's got going on in here, and like just the setup for it in general, fairly impressive. I mean, like the in in reveal, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, and like you said, it's going to affect a lot of what's going on in general. But yeah, you know, I yeah, I give it a three and a half. Like it's good stuff.
2: But there was one really cool point, and it just for me as a comic fan, I love this, which is that. We had this guy who's rattling off who the capes were that were arrested because he didn't even care, Right. like all of his associates. But the first one that comes up that Kingpin cares about is Spider-Man because he's doing like, oh, well, we got Mark Spector. Oh, we got Luke Cage. Oh, we got Jessica Jones. Oh, we got Danny Rand. And then he's like, oh, and we got Spider-Man. He's like, oh, who was he? And they go into this whole thing like, oh, well, we webbed up along the bottom of this mask so we couldn't take it off. And he's like... We'll have to cut that mask off later. So, like, it was cool that they have, have gone back to, like, really establishing that people don't know who Spider-Man is. Right. And so that's still something that, like, bugs the Kingpin, that he still doesn't know who he really is. Right. And it's one of those sad things, like, in the cinematic universe, you'll never get that. I mean, we already already seen the trailer. We got Pete, like, oh, I'm Peter Parker. And it's funny, but it's just not the same. And it'll never be the same. I mean, it's just how it is.
0: Yeah, it is, it does make for funny, I don't know, it's a funny line. Oh, so. I like the line, I think Yeah, the line's good.
2: It's way better than Batman's special power.
0: Being Batman? For sure. Oh, hang am being rich. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a disappointment. Yeah, I think it's way better. That yeah. worked out pretty good. Alright, uh, so I think, was the next one Trifix. is that right? Or is the next one Mira?
1: Does anybody remember? Well, this was a Marvel, so if you want to go to a DC next. Well, both those are DCs. I think,
2: actually, it was Mira.
1: Was it Mira next? Uh-huh. Okay, so we'll move on to Mira, I guess. So
0: this is uh, Mira, Queen of Atlantis, number one. This is the uh, six-part mini series.
2: Very stunning art. Like, I love the cover for it, but the interior artist is fantastic. One of the things that I really like about it, and I know we don't get a chance to talk about it a whole lot, is that a lot of the visual storytelling in this is actually smartly done with her costumes. So you can kind of tell... Oh, this was before the new 52 really started. This is when they first met. This is now. Cause they really did a good job of keying the artist in. Like, this is the suit she's supposed to be in. To really help us tell that story.
0: Well, yeah. And the, the group that's working, working on the book is Dan Abnett is the writer and, uh, Lan Medina. The inker was Richard, is Richard Friend. So if you were listening a few episodes back, we had an interview with Richard Friend. He's the guy inked this particular book for, uh, for Mira.
2: Yeah, and he's amazing. He does a bunch of stuff. You know, it's funny because thinkers don't get a whole lot of credit, but when when it's not done right, you really know it oh, can yeah, really for sure. change the the artistic quality.
0: Heck so. yeah! So, like story wise, when we start up, we open up in uh in Holly Beach, Louisiana, which is important because the last time we saw a very particular character was during a really big event. And this was where he was. And that turns out to be who we're meeting, which would be uh, Orm. The uh, other Prince of Atlantis, I guess, is what you call him. Ocean Master. Yeah. So Aquaman's half-brother. And the last time we saw him, he saved a family during the whole uh, uh Forever Evil storyline. And then apparently he just decided to never move. And, like, him and the lady are a thing, and, like, he's been taking care of the kid... And we go over all these nuances that, like he tells the kid story, bedtime stories about Atlantis and all these stories about the life he lived or about the ancestors that he has because Orm was never really the best guy in the world, but occasionally he did things that were entirely evil, but he's basically a bad guy anyhow, the kid is completely enthralled enthralled with him, loves the stories, and like the, him and him and her get along really well and he, to the point that he's planning to make this his life. Like, the only reason he tells the kid the bedtime stories is so he doesn't lose the memories himself, because he's really into this idea of moving forward and just this being his life and everything else, letting it go. Well, this particular evening, the son calls him Dad, which is not a normal thing, considering that, I mean, clearly he's not the boy's father, but the life has been integrated so much that that's where they're at. And uh, he goes downstairs and he tells her all about it, and then uh, while he's talking to her, we see a news clip on TV dealing with Mira, getting in a fight down by the waterside, and some destruction. And while he's hearing all this about the uprising in Atlantis, and the whole reason Mira is on the surface in the first place is because we've had someone else take over Atlantis. And even though she's named Queen, and at this point she's considered to be, not banished, but... Uh, in
2: exile. In
0: exile, yeah. Because the other guy run, running Atlantis doesn't want anything to do with her or Aquaman. And for whatever reason, Aquaman's not willing to take back over the throne, even though he continues the fight against the guy currently running capital of Atlantis. Well, Orm hears all this, and he shatters a glass in his hand out of anger, just frustration. And she's like, oh, are you okay? Are, are you all right? And she looks at his hand, of course it's not cut at all, she's like, oh, I forget, your superhumans have different... I can sometimes forget you're so normal, which is not something you would ever think of a dude that basically wears like part of a squid on his face as a costume. Yeah, Ocean Master is pretty flamboyant, let's just say. So just in general. So we cut from there to, uh, to Mira, and she's in the midst of a battle with a character named the Eel. And the Eel has similar powers to her, the telekine- telekinesis to water, which they name what it is in here, and it's got a particular name. I can't remember what the name is.
2: I think it was just water
0: kinesis. I don't Yeah, know that's either right, either. water kinesis. <laughs> and the idea is that basically you can turn water into ice, so you throw bullets out of water. Swords, knives, daggers, whatever. And he's currently winning the fight, only because she's still injured from a previous batch of stories that happened in Justice League and a previous fight with the current King of Atlantis. Uh, he casts some magic spells on her, and, and she doesn't heal well from magic. So she's in the process of doing that while she's trying to fight this dude, and as he's talking trash, pretty much, he basically tells her that he was hired by somebody to kill her, and that's the only reason he's there. And the fight eventually turns into the water, which normally for Mira wouldn't be that big a deal, but part of the magic that was cast on her makes her not able to breathe water. So, she's weakened a whole lot different than we've ever seen her before. And like the whole time the fight's going on, we get flashbacks of her remembering when she was trained as a kid, and how she was originally raised to kill Aquaman, like he was the target she was sent to take out, and then when she realized what he really was, or who he really was, her whole entire life shifted. And so, what she was bred for this entire time was basically to take him out. And now she's not that person. And the person she is is very different. This is probably the time when the, the costume changes happen. Because the different shots, whenever they're supposed to be getting married and whenever she's training as a kid, like all that stuff leans to the time frame of what's happening. So, if you know the costumes, it's a really cool, like, not maybe Easter egg, but like a cool thing just in general. You know, it's, uh, what's one thing that's missing from that? Because a lot of that
2: is pretty much marriaging the 52 and her original
0: continuity. Right. But there's no kid. Well, no, yeah, we haven't come back to the idea of them having a son. Yeah. That's something I think is either just gone to the history or maybe in the future, I guess. Well, honestly, it's
2: it's not something that's... Aside from it being like another big Aquaman was the
0: first to do this, right. it's
2: really not that integral. I think most people wouldn't even know that he had a kid.
0: Right. Anyhow, well, this leads to her, of course, defeating the eel, and uh, the sheriff shows up and he's like, oh, we'll take we'll take care of him for you. And she's like, yeah, there's no way you guys can deal with him. I'm going to call the Justice League. So she gets hold of to Superman Wonder Woman, and they come down and they basically collect the eel to put him away in the prison because he would have easily defeated the police officers, the normal officers. And while she's talking to the two of them, they discuss what's going on in Atlantis and how Arthur's been so separate from everything lately and why he's been so separate. And then um, that leads to her going paying a visit to... uh, Well, we we get a reveal that Tula has been living on the land also, which we hadn't seen her in quite a while. So Tula, one of the other Aqua girls, has been living on land with humans and integrating real well with them and has decided that maybe she belongs with the humans also. And, uh, she's been helping Mira heal for the most part, is what she's been trying to do. Help her integrate with human society, talking and things like that. Anyhow, so she, uh, moves on to have a meeting with a diplomat in the, uh, in the, in the government, dealing with the idea of the U.S. not getting involved with the idea of what's happening with Atlantis. And it comes pretty clear that as long as it doesn't spill onto the surface, that we don't care. So sol- solve your problems yourself as long as it doesn't land on U.S. soil or on the surface, that the the surface world will not bother them. And, of course, Mirror's like, well, I understand that. And then they make, I don't know, not really a pact or agreement or whatever, but it's like a understanding is had between the two ladies, so the senator and the queen.
2: Yeah. I also kind of felt like um, she was reaching out to her as basically saying, like, we're, we want diplomacy. Like, we're not just combat based. Oh, yeah.
0: She was selling the idea that uh, Atlantis as a people didn't want to be at strife and the idea of the surface world being afraid of Atlantis. Well, Atlantis is afraid of the surface world the same way. So they're, everyone's on equal grounds. So, that, yeah, that basically is what they went over. So there's a lot of, like, government-type diplomacy stuff. But it's worded really well and it's important as far as the idea of Atlantis working with the surface and, like, her being the queen it's a different position for her, because up to this point, she's always been Aquaman's girlfriend. Well, unless they were married and then it was the wife and she's a queen by proxy. But at this point, she's been put in that position because Arthur won't take the kingship. Granted, the other, the other guy is taking over, so right now that's why the exiles happen, but she's basically been put in that position by the people. So, as far as being a thing, this is the first time that we've really dealt with her as like a queen. Like really. Even in the old stuff. Anyhow, um, so there's a pretty big catch at the end of this, which will shape the way the next couple issues go for everyone Orm and Mira and everybody involved. So I'm going to leave that off the page because it's a pretty big, like, it's kind of a big gotcha. I mean, you could say you saw it coming, but man, we haven't talked about Orm in, I don't know, the better part of three years as a thing at all. I mean, forever he will have happened and ended, and we haven't seen him since then that I can remember.
2: No, not really. So. Well, maybe here and there, but.
0: Man, not anything that was substantial. Not,
2: not as
0: anything. No. Yeah. So, uh, score-wise, I mean, I give it a three. I mean, the writing's pretty good. The story's pretty good. I like the art just fine. I dig Mira as a character, so I think that's really cool. Uh, it would be interesting to see where this wraps up, because for a short while, we had her as part of the Justice League also, and they referenced that in this book kind of a lot. It wasn't just like a random team-up. Like, she was on the roster. So, that's pretty cool. And she was awesome in the Justice League movie for a little bit of time she was in there. Anyway, Um, yeah, I give it a three. Uh, Rob, you got a score for that book?
2: I, I would also follow it up. I'd, I'd give it a three as well. I I really enjoyed it. I liked a lot of how they played off the eel in her. And I think one of the nice things is that the eel could actually be a significant
0: kind of villain now, which he hasn't been for a while. Well, up to this point, he was just like another another in long line of thug types. Yeah. But this shows him off a lot better.
2: Yeah, I, I can see him showing up in other books now. Whereas before, probably not. Uh, I also like that they address the whole Justice League in the room thing, which, I mean, a lot of times you go, oh, there's a problem. Well, why don't you just call the Justice League? Well, they lay that down here, that this has to be dealt with by Atlantis. Otherwise, the decisions won't matter. Right. It, well, yeah, that
0: all that diplomacy stuff, that's part of that. Yeah. If an outside force comes in,
2: it's not going to fix anything. But, yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed it. I thought they did a great job of it, so I'd, I'd give it a three.
0: Cool. Uh, Josh, do you know anything about
1: Mira? Um, I wish Ross was here. He loves Aquaman. That's true. He does. <clears throat> he could talk about this for days. I feel bad because I didn't get a chance to read this book ahead of time. So, um, I do. The, color, the cover is amazing. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't have really an opinion on this one. I have to bow out gracefully.
0: Understandable. That's how it happens sometimes. You know, things and stuff. Things
1: and stuff and stuff and things.
0: Right. Um. Okay, well, uh, in that case, we'll move on to Lucy Dreaming, issue number one.
1: So, Lucy Dreaming by Boom Studios. It's written by Max Bemis and illustrated by Michael Dylanis. Close as I can get with it. It's an indie book. I like indie books. It's kind of my my forte. It starts with this uh, kind of outcast girl, and she's reading some crazy fantasy book at her kitchen table and, like, Talk about stabbing and death spells and things. And her parents are like, Whoa. Um, I thought you were reading that vampire book with the kissing. And she's like pukes in her mouth. She's like, That's disgusting. I don't read that trash. And kind of hilarious. The arts, the arts really good when it's sh- like showing emotion and facial expressions. Like, like the artist does a really good job in this. I like it. She's in school. She's bored. She's talked about how she loves, um, English class the most. And she's just like, feels smarter than everybody around her. And she goes home, she's brushing her teeth, and all of a sudden her eyes turn gold, and she's like, thinks it has something to do with being a teenager and hormones, and she's like pissed off because she thought that it's supposed to be normal, and the next thing you know, she's dreaming, and oh no, like her parents' door is glowing, and she's like, what the heck are they doing in there? They're taking pictures? That's disgusting. And then uh she goes to sleep and wakes up, and she's, feels like she's in a dream, but she's um, in some sci-fi battle on a ship, and... Like, going through all this, like, fighting people and...
0: It's very Star Wars-esque, there's like, what's happening. There's, yeah. like, this,
1: a Zap Branigan type character in it, where he, like, thinks a lot of himself, and he's all handsome, and there's an alien, and uh they're shooting people, and they're shooting aliens, and, like, it's very violent, and she gets kind of grossed out because how real it is. All of a sudden, this, this character comes out of nowhere who looks uncannily like Vader... And it's,
0: like, yeah, very kind of lightsaber flavored.
1: battling a little bit. Like, it's jokingly, like I think it's supposed to be real similar. But then that guy, um, as he's like dying, basically says, I'm, you're dreaming. You're not, this is like a, this is real, but you're dreaming. You need to wake up and get out of here because you can get trapped here. And uh, I know your dad. And she's like, what the heck? Realizes that this guy isn't the bad guy that she was just fighting into the Zap Brannigan type character.
2: I mean, the Zap Brannigan-type character is the bad guy, really.
1: Right, he is the bad guy. Well, right. weird, right?
0: Well, it's all matter of the... If you think about... Well, just like Star Wars, you think about how the Jedi are supposed to be non-caring, non-giving, non-relationship-connected. It's all the things that are negative about that. And then because this Vader-type was in love with the lady, they decided to uh, persecute him and drove him to basically be a tyrant, I guess. And we kind of get all of that in, like, a very short period of time. And there's a kind of funny part in there where she's like, normally when I realize I'm in a dream, I wake up from the dream. And then, like, that follows suit with a dude getting shot in the throat and basically thrown
1: up his guts. It's hilarious. And then she gets shot in the arm. She's all pissed off. She's like, that hurt, like, really bad. Like Right. That, that's not normal. But after she gets all pissed off at that guy and starts yelling at him, then she, uh, she wakes up. And her parents are like, oh, uh. Your eyes are glowing. We need to have a talk. Dun, dun, dun. And that's the end of the book. But, uh, it's, it's a cool book. I'm, I liked it. Yeah, I, I, I like indie books. I like just kind of random stories out there. They're not connected to anything. It kind of, It's kind of nice sometimes when you don't have to read like 50 other books to have an idea of what's going on in the universe and like what's gone on the last four years with somebody. Just like a brand new fresh start. I like that. So I think that's my, why I love indie books so much.
0: You got your score for that book there, Josh.
1: I give it a solid four. Cool. Um, I really like the art and the stories. Stories entertaining. They write like the teenage angst, like teenage girl angst, real well. So,
0: well, uh, Rob, what do you think about that book? I'd I give it a three
2: five. There's a lot of things that they did really well in the story when I mean, the artist maybe not like the highest caliber. But I think it serves the story really, really well, which is always a great choice. Their take on kind of presenting a Star Wars that we all recognize, I think, is really well done because it's unique in its own way. I think as we get going, we're going to learn that people, like, aside from our main characters, are kind of just trapped in their roles. And so, in theory, you know, in his, his role, he was the hero, but this other guy was cast as the villain, and it didn't matter that he was actually, you know... Not really as bad as they all thought, but he was stuck in that role. But I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought they did a good job of it. And like Josh was saying, they really do capture the idea of like a teenager who just doesn't fit in and kind of what her headspace is and kind of trying to figure out where she exists and where she fits in this world.
0: Right on. Um, yeah, you know, I follow suit. I give it three and a half also. I mean, yeah, Beamus did a really good job. I mean, as far as the story is concerned, like, I like how the tone works in the book, too. Cause, like, when you first open up, all the tones are very, like, all the colors are very, like, light pastelish. And then when we get to dream or other reality, everything's very vibrant. And, like, there's a lot of background texture and a lot of, so, like, the two different contrasts next to each other, like, while she's in school, talking, thinking to herself, like, how she doesn't fit in, how, everything in school she hates, like, all the subtitle text of her thinking while she's in class versus the art after she wakes up in the dream, and it's, like, a very different style of coloring, and I like that a lot. I think that's really cool. I mean, it's been a series, we'll see where it goes as far as the thing overall. I mean, at this point, the big mystery is the catch at the end where you're like, well, what the hell? Because up to that point, could have been anything. I know selling the selling, the, the, the way she reacts to her parents in general is very, I don't know, I think it's hilarious because the whole throw-up thing about the vampire kissing book. Like, she's eating cereal, and she's like, Oh, I threw it in my mouth a little bit. You're gross, Dad. Kissing's gross because boys are gross, which is kind of hilarious. Anyway, I don't know. I thought it was really pretty good. I think Doobah's did a good job with that. I think it's awesome. Um, He's in a band, too. Like, I don't remember... He used to do Warped Tour stuff a lot. I can't remember what the name of the band is, though.
2: Oh, we looked that up the other day.
0: Yeah, there's actually two of them, but I can't remember... Yeah, I can't remember what the name of it was.
1: Oh, he's uh, Max Bemis's in Say Anything.
0: Yeah, that's the name of it. Yeah. Say Anything, and then there's another one, like Two Tongues or something like that. Yeah. It's, a, it's a joined band. Not yeah. the movie, but the band. Right, not the movie. Yeah, tour to war, tour a lot.
1: It's just a super group with um, the guys from Say Anything and the band Saves the Day.
0: Oh, the second, the second yeah, band, yeah. Two Tongues. But yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, he's just trying to jump on that Gerard Way band, bandwagon, I guess. Like, trying okay. to be... Be Gerard,
0: Gerard's super weird. He's a one's singer and a. Less crazy. A comic book writer as well. Sure. Good stuff. As far as a thing, I dug it. Alright, let's uh, move on to the uh, terrifics number one. Okay. So,
2: terrifics number one is um, you got Ivan Reyes and Jeff Lee
0: Meyer. Jeff Lee Meyer writing it and Reyes doing the art? Yep.
2: Yeah, doing the art and writing on it. They think trying to trick me with having them both labeled as storytellers.
0: That's that's how they get I get by like, with things. I,
2: I know this isn't Lee Myers. No, Le Myers. He is
0: a good writer, but he's a terrible artist. His
2: his blocking isn't bad.
0: Oh, you know, I you shouldn't say that about the guy. I think he's a terrible artist. Yeah, there are really plenty of like other him. people like him just fine. Because I'm told every day that I'm wrong. Well, not every day, but a lot of days. Yeah. I strongly disagree with that. But the man is a fantastic writer. Fantastic.
2: So we would be. Banned to say that this book doesn't have some connection to the Dark Knight metal.
0: True, yeah.
2: Um, mostly that connection is relating to the egg that we'll we'll talk about. I'm sure that he was revealed before this point.
0: Well, and, we see him in issue three of metal, like the egg we do. As yeah. far as explanation of the egg, that comes a little bit later. Yeah.
2: But um, it's also connected to where, I'm, where Mr. Terrific's been and kind of some of this... Plot at the beginning of the story. So, we jump into Stag Industry, and, um, it's been a little while since we've been here.
0: Well, with Stag in general, like, Stag, what he's known for, which is what this thing first starts with, is being the fault of Metamorpho existing. Yes. Like, uh, Stag Industry is like a evil, well, maybe not evil, they're a business. Company that is competitive with uh, Mister Terrific's company and Wayne Tech and a few of the other ones, but they're not. I wouldn't like, say they're straight villains, but Stag's a real jerk.
2: He's he's kind of a super sciency guy. If if you were looking for a movie analogy, he's kind of like Justin Hammer in the Iron Man series. Okay, I'd go with that. He, he just wants to stand on the top, the shoulders of giants. Like right. he doesn't quite understand the science, but he's close. So, uh, in this case, while Mister Terrific was. Out in the metal story, people thought Michael was just dead. And so his business came up for auction, and Stag pretty much grabbed it up. Sure, bought up all the parts to it. And so uh, we wind up having Jarva uh, show up to, like, escort Mr. Terrific in, who just kind of appears in one of his T-spheres. And, of course, Jarva's like, you don't have any business here. You know, I can't even believe that Mr. Stag let you come by, and we kind of get this exposition about how Stag has came up with uh, Mr. Terrific's technology and whatnot, and that the only reason he would be calling him is that he's got in over his head. Right. Which we pretty soon find out that he has. Oh yeah, for sure. He's managed to use Mr. Terrific's technology to open up a doorway to the Dark Dimension, which is where all the stuff's going on in Batman Metal.
0: Right, bad news.
2: The Dark Dimension itself has unpredictable reactions to this dimension and people of this dimension. In this case, Metamorpho was sent in, and when he came out the other side, he was nuts. Like, his body had been changed to, like, different types of int metals or whatnot, and he was just raging. Couldn't find himself. Big problem is, Stag can't figure out how to close it. And Mr. Terrific's like, whoa, we're gonna have to use our secret weapon, and of course he brings out the egg, thinking that he can use the egg to somehow help Metamorpho. Well, as soon as the egg gets uh, basically attacked by Metamorpho, who, like, breaks his restraints, it wakes up, and it becomes Plastic Man, whether you like him or not. <laughs> and, like, Mr. Terrific tells him, like, oh, you got to shield us from this energy of the Dark Dimension, and so he, like, eats them, and then carries on a full conversation inside of himself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um the idea of his shape change has been taken to a huge level in this book. Like whenever they're working on it, it's got to be like all the time. Okay, Mr. you know, uh, Plastic Man's doing this, Plastic Man's doing that. Like it has to be notes on every page cuz he's always doing something. Like I think this is probably the best use of him as a character I've ever seen or I've ever read cuz I really don't care for Plastic Man most of the time. In this book I thought he was dynamite, but he was also super useful. It wasn't just like, oh, I need to get this glass across the room, and stretches his arm, you know, like they do with Mr. Fantastic sometimes. But he also has, you know, he's got a pretty big personality, and I think they got it in this, too. But while they're in the Dark Dimension, they're kind of, they have to kind of figure out where they're at. And at the very beginning, they get besieged by a bunch of spiders. And while they're fighting the spiders they realize that they're not on a regular landmass. They're on this giant, desiccated corpse.
0: Yeah, like Celestial-style. I know it's not Celestials or Marvel, but yeah. that's what this thing's like.
2: The best way to describe it, yeah. like it would be like having Thanos' body out or not Thanos, I'm sorry, Galactus's body out there, and people are just living on it.
0: Hmm. Except this time the people are actually little bug things Yeah, that are trying to eat these guys.
2: Yeah. Well, it kind of winds up being... A sort of miscommunication, because the spider things are not really there to attack people. They must be somehow connected to the host. Because pretty soon we're introduced to Phantom Girl. Which, if you're a Legionnaire fan, you'll recognize her. But this is kind of a new origin for her. And she's always had, like, a weird thing where she's been around for a long time. But I don't think they've ever explored it in the New 52.
0: So, now that I can remember it now, yeah, I don't think so
2: she kind of explains that time works differently here. And we sort of see that she's been here for a very long time, like most of her life growing up.
0: Yeah. She explains that. Yeah. She's been there a long time, but she couldn't tell you how long she's been there. And they both like all three of them recognize that she looks like a ghost. And she explains to, Oh yeah, well that's, that's what my, my species of people can do that. We, we can go intangible. But ever since I've been here, I've been stuck intangible so she's basically been living like a ghost on this crazy body in s- dark space for who knows how long. Yeah.
2: Uh, along with that, when she says what planet she comes from, which I'm not even going to attempt. It's a weird name. Like, everybody's kind of like, uh, yeah, I haven't heard of that. Because it's a, it's a planet that hasn't even been founded yet, or hasn't even really been found by the rest of the universe yet.
0: Yeah, in theory, it's something that is a Legionnaires thing, so you're talking... Twenty, how many, however many years in the future? Yeah. So, yeah, as far as a thing, it probably doesn't even exist yet. It's possible.
2: It's it's well off, but as they, as they explore on, they find this ancient device, and she's like, "Oh, don't worry about that. It, nothing can, you know, do anything with that." And Mister Terrific's like, "Well, maybe you just didn't know how to activate it." There is a message, and if you're a fan who's been rolling around a while, not just in DC, but in, like, kind of DC's extended library, you'll recognize who this character is. And it's kind of a big shock because it's, it's somebody that shouldn't be a regular DC appearance character.
0: Has never been before.
2: And it, it's pretty exciting how, how they put him in there. And they kind of leave us on this big cliffhanger with him in the dark dimension on this crazy body. And then, of course, the message. Yeah, it's uh it's pretty impressive. I was actually pretty surprised with it. I'm, so I so I I was happy with it. I would give it I'd give it a four. I was really excited with it. And I mean honestly for me, as soon as I see Plastic Man, forget it. I don't I don't even care anymore. But the story really changed that for me. <laughs> and there's been times, you know, he was he was a significant part of the Justice League for a little while. And most of the time I could kinda deal with him. But like in this book, he works great. He plays off really well. And I think even Mr. Terrific really gets a benefit for him being around. Cause Terrific can get on your nerves pretty fast. At least for me. And so I was pretty impressed that like, they really balanced out the idea of like the tough guy role and the smart guy role and then the comic relief. And the comic relief comes off as very natural, I thought.
1: So I don't even really know, like, what Mr. Terrific's Deal is yeah, like what's his powers like? What I mean, I kind of get like he's a rich guy, kind of with some stuff and some, and he's kind of smart, but he's like
0: he's really, really, really smart. Yeah, he's he's a
2: incredibly smart, um, like Michael. Is he,
1: but is he Batman
2: level smart? Yes. Oh yeah. So, Batman, Batman would be diversified. Like he's he's very smart, but he's also very physical and very ninja-y, and very like full of angst. Michael is really smart. And then his physical is maybe a little less. But Michael's smarts are not in how to take down the world or how to run the world or how to plan every battle before it happens. His smarts are technology. How can I make not just the next thing, but the next, next, next thing. So a lot of what he uses is uh, what these, they're called T-spheres. And they're basically like each one is... Almost like a supercomputer that can pull all kinds of different tricks. So it can do things from collate all kinds of information to like create invisibility fields to create force fields to enlarge to a certain size to teleport him to be a traveling device. The T-Spheres basically are the ultimate MacGuffin for Mr. Terrific. But yeah, it's his, his mind is what makes him like kind of a big hero. But the big, the, the other side is that Mr. Terrific's the guy that you call when like Stuff isn't working. You don't call Mister Terrific like when Doomsday shows up.
1: Gotcha. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> right. Yeah. Because
2: the T-Spheres are awesome, but yeah, they're just they're, they're, not gonna, they're not gonna they're not gonna do much for that.
1: No. But you know who you should call when Doomsday shows up. Well, in theory, you call Plastic Batman. Man. Well, uh, you could. Yeah, I guess so.
2: You could see so him evolve his way out of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it would be interesting, wouldn't it?
1: I love Plastic Man.
0: Sadly. Doomsday would
2: probably become Plastic Man with Bone Spikes. Yeah. Then he'd be invincible. Because he couldn't do anything to him, so he'd eventually just evolve to him. Yeah. As long as his mind evolved down with him, maybe Doomsday wouldn't be so bad, but.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, that would be, that would be terrible. Rage Monster full of spikes that could also stretch. Well, you know, Be bad. Not only
2: stretch, but just can become anything. Yeah, shape sh-
0: basically, shape shift. That's it, what he's really doing.
2: It seems like even his shapes now take on the physical effects of what they are. So, and they've shown that with, uh, Dimsby, too, uh, elongated man. Like, if he makes himself bigger, physically stronger, his, his, uh, strength and his durability increase, too. Right. Yeah. Which I think we see Plastic Man doing this, too. So.
1: Uh, Josh, do you know anything about that book? The Trifix? Uh, it's exciting to have kind of another team book in DC. So, and I like, I like Plastic Man a lot. I like Metamorpho a lot. So, it's like, I, they're both kind of B grade Justice League, like characters, but if they get their own book. Um,
2: I think that's some of what I like about this too, though, is that because they're all not like the super A caliber characters, like you're getting a really unique story.
1: It's kind of like the Justice League um, international, like, style where it's just like it's, you know, people have hung out with the heavy hitters, but they're not the heavy hitters. But, like, they have to get stuff done still.
2: Yeah. In a way, this could be kind of the, like, a Challengers of the Unknown sort of story. Because, I mean, these guys are going to be going off and dealing with the weird stuff. Not necessarily the threats to the Earth, but, like, gravity shut off for no reason in Idaho, so you, these guys come in.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, I, <laughs> think, I think exit. it's a cool idea. So,
2: what was your? Uh,
0: Do you have a score for that book? Score? Um,
1: just because I'm not sure where it's gonna go, I don't want to get too ink like too ahead of myself. I'm I'm gonna go like three and a half.
0: Okay. Uh, as far as score, you know, I'd actually fall see with that uh, three and a half. I think is a good score for it. The art's great. I mean, right? Ivan Reyes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Reyes. He done a lot of Green Lantern stuff. Like, he's a great artist. So as far as the art, I mean, it's awesome.
2: I, I hope he likes drawing Plastic Man, because I love his take.
0: So oh, yeah. Like, his look for Plastic Man is kind of awesome.
2: Yeah, I... Just... Like, there's going to be a change again, I think, to that costume. But he's got the classic top. But just changing up the, the leotards... yeah, yeah. to to, like, the shorts. Even that is just, like, enough to make him more palatable to me. And, I mean, just... Hopefully he's having fun drawing him because, like, his take on Plastic Man is always changing all the time in that book. It's fantastic. Sorry,
1: continue. I I am really excited about the character that shows up at the end.
0: Oh, yeah, no, it's a pretty big deal. So, if you're a uh, Alan Moore fan, then you should probably be into this book too. That's all I'm going to say about that because it's a mystery who shows up at the end. That's the secret, you dummies. But it's awesome.
2: You should buy the book. And if you buy the book and you go, who's that? Wow. The next time you see it, you're going to be like, oh my gosh. Because like you're you're going to learn along the way why it's such a big deal if you don't know already.
0: Right. Um. Yeah, I give it three and a half also. I mean, story-wise, Lemire's great. Like He's an awesome writer. No matter how I feel about his art, I think he's an awesome writer. As far as uh, storytelling is concerned, Mr. Terrific's neat. I mean, when they gave him his own series and was dealing with the other universe, I thought that was kind of cool. As a team piece, I think he fits better. Because I I think as a... I don't know, it's almost like they're kind of a Fantastic Four almost. I mean, granted, we don't get all the pieces in this book. But simply what we've seen from the next couple issues of things, art-wise, it's like they took Mr. Fantastic and split him into two. Because we get Mr. Terrific, who's a genius. They get Plastic Man, that's the stretchy part. And like like you said, Plastic Man, I don't mind him. I think he's funny. But it's all a matter of, like, who writes him, whether he's good funny or, like, tedious funny. And, like, we're going to get another... He's actually getting his own book. Um uh, They're going to do a Plastic Man storyline um, standalone story that is being written by Gail Simone. And Gail Simone's freaking awesome. So as far as the storyline, I think, if nothing else, that should be really cool. Because she writes stories... Kind of like the terrifics, anyway. I mean, she's that sinister star of the Secret Six and Birds of Prey. A big part of that. But yeah, as far as like stories, she's a great writer. So I think whatever standalone she does will probably be awesome. But I think this whole second coming of Plastic Man is surprisingly good. Mm. I mean, nothing else in this book is good. So I guess we'll see where it goes. That was a lot about nothing just now for <laughs> absolutely no reason. Anyway, so yeah, three and a half, and then I'll stop with my nonsense. Um, so, yeah, I guess after that, we want to talk about, uh, cable.
1: Cable number 155. Sounds like a good idea. And I love me some cable. So. That's true.
0: It's in my head, way dirtier than it was meant. I just do. Yeah, yeah, there you go.
1: One thing that, uh, Rob, before I get too crazy into the book, something that I never noticed before that Rob pointed out, though, like, they, they do it in the little write up right at the beginning, but.
2: Yeah, I. I I don't know if it's just something that I never picked up on before, but I always thought, like, Cable, his name was just Cable because it was cool. And, I mean, there's even jokes about, like, oh, what are we going to call him? Well, Cable it's kind of cool, and they just throw it out there. right? They make a, a connection at the beginning of this in the catch-up that's talking about his his time, like, where he's, he's lost his time as a child by being took into the future to deal with his sickness, but from the future he comes back to the past to change things. So he's like a cable from our timeline to the future from the future to the past. And so his name actually like has relevance to the way the character has been used, and it's always had relevance. And I just like it kind of blew my mind a little bit like, oh damn, like maybe there was a little more thought put into this or not, or maybe somebody just was thinking really hard about it recently. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I was impressed.
1: Either way, I never noticed it either. So it's, I mean, if if it was the thing, I didn't know, but I never really thought about that as well. But that's, yeah, it's it's a cool thing. So yeah,
2: I I, I like the concept.
1: I don't
0: ever remember anybody bringing it up in that fashion prior to this. So whether it was a thing or not, I I'm not aware of it.
1: But and Layfield's it's definitely not that smart. Kind of so.
0: brilliant. Well, he's not a writer; he's an artist. I mean, he does write things, but, but he created him, so yeah. But that doesn't mean so he's
1: not that smart. He didn't. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna call him Cable.
0: Whatever, man. Just tell, tell us about the book.
1: Are <sighs> well, you always gonna be so protective of that guy?
0: Because he's not as bad as everyone says he is.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I,
0: I, I met the guy. He's not that bad. I'll give you. He has been dick to other people, but I've never had a problem with him. He's never been mean to me. So I guess uh, that's good. I guess I'm gonna you go tell tell us about the book be, be, uh,
2: before you start. I'm sorry. Uh, this is actually a fantastic book if you've not read Cable before, because there's a lot of his origin stuff in here to get you kind of interested in who he is.
1: It's kind of a good jump-off point, like, if you want to... Even if you have read Cable in the past or are into him and, but, and, like, need need a big a jump-off point, this is a good one, so... Because it's, uh, Past Fears Chapter 1. Uh, it's written by Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler. And, uh, German Peralta is the artist. In this book, it just starts with a flashback of him, like, running through some crazy techno organic forest thing, chasing after him. Like, it looks like it might be a nightmare. And he's just running away from it, and, uh, he comes upon this house, and, like, all these people are being attacked by this monster, and his techno organic virus in his arm. Um, starts freaking out and going nuts. And then it just flashes forward to him. Um, he's in Japan's, like, fighting a sentinel and saving some young girl who's going to be a mut- She's a mutant, but her powers haven't, um, manifested themselves yet. And he, like, saves her and then takes her and her parents to the future to keep them safe. Then goes to where he's in his safe house. He's kind of taking care of himself and uh, he's thinking about his daughter, Hope. Which next page, which I haven't seen her for a while. That's why I asked you earlier if, if she'd been around, but like Hope appears and she's uh shows up at the X Mansion and uh Kitty probably is kind of excited to see her, gives her her own room and say hey if you want to teach a class, kind of like hinting out that she'd like her to stick around, kind of thing. And uh, she's just kind of tired, just wants to just chill out. She wakes up in the middle of the night and this techno organic virus monster just comes out of the dark and starts attacking her and telling her that he's going to make Cable suffer, if, and he's going to do it through her if he has to. Next day, Cable appears at the expansion as well, and Kitty Pride's not very excited to see him, which, I mean, yeah, Hope just got attacked and everything, but I I thought most people liked Cable.
2: Yeah, Cable's kind of been on the outs for the last few years. He's, he's done some questionable stuff. Uh, one of the big things they talk about in the book, even, is that he took on the Avengers, there was a point where he dang near killed the Avengers because there was a possibility that they were going to take
0: uh, Hope out. Yeah, there there's a big event that was um, called Avengers vs. X-Men, and at the heart of that has to do with the Avengers deciding to fight the Phoenix Force, and according to one storyline in the future, that is what caused Hope to get killed. And since Cable was at the time in the process of dying... He decided, well, if uh, I'm going to do anything, I'm going to protect my daughter. And that was going to be leading to killing the Avengers. So we messed them up real good. And then there's a whole batch of X-Men that weren't real X-Men members. They weren't exactly fans of him traveling through time with her. Because mm. they all wanted her to, a batch of one to hang out and be the next Messiah. And the other batch just didn't want her to be with Cable. So there's a mixed line of whether that was good or bad for her. Ultimately, at this point, it doesn't matter because now she's grown up. So... There you go.
1: Makes her all tough and badass, though.
0: It's true. Oh, no, agreed. As far as the thing, but yeah, when she's a small kid, like, half the X-Men, like, there have been no... This is all after House of M stuff, so there have been no, like, other mutants born, and she shows up, and she's a mutant. She's the first mutant born after that. She was. And so, like, at that point in time, half the X-Clan was looking for the next coming Messiah, and they wanted this kid to be on their side of things. And Cable's like, she needs to be raised with the option of having a future that's her own choice of future. And they're like, uh, you're crazy, Cable, cause I mean, look at you and your crazy eye and all your guns. Which I think
1: everything that's going on right now, I take, I take Cable's side over all those guys.
0: Oh no, yeah, as far as that's, that's what thing, I have to
1: say. I mean. Like, yeah. Avengers, you want to mess with my daughter? Cool. I'm going to mess you up, you know? F you up real good.
2: Yeah, Cable also has, in, in the books following most of that stuff, Took a very, like, no Fs standpoint. Like, he was just doing whatever he was doing, and it was like, if it makes sense to me, that's fine. I don't really care
1: if it makes sense to anybody else. Because a lot of those people are, like, superheroes, and ultimately, Cable, is he's just a soldier. Like, he's a soldier. He comes from a war-torn future, and he just wants to make that not happen. And he just, he's going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. And that's why I like him, because he's just, like, he's no... He, d- he doesn't give any crap about anything. He just is like want to. Make- he just wants to get the job done.
2: Yeah, his actions can definitely be seen as um, too extreme,
1: abrasive. Yeah, <laughs> that that too. Yes,
2: <laughs> and, and so yeah, he hasn't made a lot of friends with the current like regime of X Men, and Kitty has always been kind of more on the side of like the Angels. So her and Cable probably, yeah, they don't get along too well.
0: I wouldn't say they see eye to eye, and at this point, she's pretty well running the Xavier School, so... She's the current head mit- headmistress. Yes, she is. And so, like, Cable shows up, and he's, like, one of those dudes that kicks the bucket over. That's not something you want in your school, especially if you're supposed to be in charge.
1: So anyway, picking up right there, he shows up, and she's all like, Hey, Hope got attacked last night, and I know you were going to show up, and she needs to be safe, and you need to leave her alone, and he's just, like, teleports by her. He's like, I'm not going to deal with you. And I go straight to Hope's room and they have like a heart to heart about how I just want you to be my dad and want to spend some time with you. And he's like, yeah, sorry, I've been missing. I just being away from you is keeping you safe kind of thing. And, uh, she's like, no, we're going to take this thing on together. And, uh, so they devise a plan after they hug and make up and are friends again and. Next thing it shows that like cable's in the woods and he's getting ready to fight this thing called Metus, like M-E-T-U-S. I think that's how you say it. Metus? Met, maybe. Metus is probably be how I'd say it. Metis, yeah. I,
2: I, I pronounce it as Metus too, but I don't know.
1: So basically this thing is just like a techno organic monster that's overrun. I, it, I think there's a being underneath it that is just overrun and taken completely over. And, uh, it starts making his, the virus in his body go crazy and, um, he's fighting it and he's letting it just kind of like attack him and let him win. So then hope has a chance to come out of the dark and, um, like she paralyzes it like or something uses his, like she mimics cables powers, uses the telekinesis to hold it still so that cable can start like absorbing that techno organic virus back into himself to save whatever the being is. And then it just, that's where it ends. So we're not sure where we're going to go with that. And he looks all huge and distorted and like freaky. So
0: super crazy looking, yeah. Um, Josh, you guys go over that book?
1: I give it a four. I'm really excited where it's going to go. Um, because it shows a preview in the back of another character that I like. So he comes in the back of the next issue. And that's exciting. So I give it a four. I like Cable a lot. I like what they did with it. I like the art. The art's good. So,
0: Heck yeah. Uh, Rob, what do you think about that book? You know
2: what? Um, I, I may have been tooken in with some of the kind of promotional art for this, where I, I wasn't super happy with the look of the book. And then the book comes out, and it's dynamite. Uh, I... I don't like to do this very often, but I, I think of five because there's, there's a part in it that we didn't talk about where hope gets something that looks like it, it is a complete mirror of something that cable's had forever. And it's never been explained. And so this is like an incredible lore thing as well now for hope where she's been changed forever as the story goes on, and it kind of answers where this may have came from on cable. I love that this also goes back and it touches all these kind of storylines that maybe we wanted to forget or maybe we just haven't thought about forever. Like the really weird storyline where Gene and Cyclops are sent into the future and living in proxy bodies. Like, we touch that. We touch... Failed timelines where the X-Force get killed, gets killed. We touch a failed timeline where Nate and him are together dealing with things. We touch all kinds of little different elements of Cable's life in this book. And I just, I think it's done so well.
1: Even It even talks at one point of, uh, Hope brings up the point that she, like, I kicked you out of X-Force because of like, how crazy you we're getting which I thought was cool, so...
2: If you were reading that one, holy cow, that book got out of control really fast. I don't think it was in a good way, but it was out of control. <laughs> like, that's one of those ones where you try to explain it to somebody who doesn't read comics, and they're like, comics crazy. <laughs> <laughs> stuff, stuff got out of control. I'm not even going to bother trying to explain it here. But yeah, I would actually give it a five. I was really, really impressed with it, and I... I guess I didn't expect to be this impressed with it. So, yeah.
0: Cool. Um, As far as score, yeah, I I give it a four. I mean, it's a really strong book. The implications from, like, this particular issue as far as leading forward, I think are going to be freaking awesome. Just the little bit this thing does, like, all the legacy stuff is really cool, like, all this stuff. Like, we haven't seen him as the kid from the sand with the small body and robot arm in so long. And it was as far as a thing, like, it was really cool how they even touched Nate Gray a little bit. Like, how often have we seen that? Not at all. So as far as, like, a thing, like, all the legacy stuff is really cool. I thought that was really neat. I like the stuff with the, the we were talking about, the change for her. Mm-hmm. As far as, like, a book, well, this would be where that happens. So it's almost like a it's not really costume change, but kind of is. So as far as book chase-wise, I mean, if Hope continues to be a popular character, this would be like one of those books that turns out to be a key later simply because of that. Granted, it's hard to say that'll be what it is because it's too early and It's ages a book, I guess. But as far as a thing, I mean, all that stuff was really cool story-wise. And as far as art, I think the art was really good. When you that crazy forest of techno virus is happening like it's crazy looking. Yeah. Awesome, but crazy looking.
2: And and honestly even when Cable's arm is freaking out, that's like shades of old Cable too. Oh, it, yeah. it looks exactly like I remember it being from some of those older books where they had like the real stylized like oh his TK gave out and his arm goes nuts. Like it looks just like what they were doing in those 90s books and in the like uh It was X-Men Destiny when he had the spear for a little while. Yep. Like, just in that storyline, too. His arm was like that whenever he would lose control of it. So, like, really meticulous detail in this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, it... it Reminisce of a time when, like... um, I mean, this is the storyline where... Jean Grey was still alive before she died. And Cable and her were on the same X-Team together. And she, like... She just really likes... She takes a liking to Cable... You know, even though it's not, like, her real son, like, she just takes a liking to him and she, like, helps him, like, with her with her psychic powers, helps him, like, pretty much push the techno-organic virus almost completely out of his body, and then she gets attacked, and then as like, because, like, she'd pushed it almost all the way out, it just comes roaring back and goes all nuts, and it takes him a minute to re-like, like, organize it and re-like hold it at bay and stuff I just that's what it reminded me of even far as far back as that so which yeah. what that was like late 90s early 2000s so
2: yeah they have a complicated
1: relationship so oh, Gina yeah
2: yeah I mean you could almost do a whole show yeah on on the whole cable and summers family line because there's there's a lot of craziness when you get into that stuff so
1: well mm-hmm. and, and then I mean Nate gray supposed to be coming back yes
2: which I'm excited for. Cable's
1: kind of seems like he's kind of becoming his old self again. Jean Grey's coming back. There's just a lot going on. Well, yeah. As
0: far as like re- return of characters, yeah, I think it'd be neat to see Nate in in a book again. I think that'd be cool.
2: Yeah, I agree. I I've always really liked the X Men. There's some storylines that I wasn't super happy with, but
0: yeah, his whole walk the earth, weird tattoo outfit, I was not a fan of. But I think the rest yeah. of stuff before that was cool.
1: What I, I miss the most, I know they've, they kind of did another series a little while back ago, but like, and, and I know that they're taking, Marvel's taking full advantage of him, but Deadpool and Cable together, I think are like the best buddy team up book of, of my personal favorite of all time, like, cause they're, they're so, they're so different, but they're so, he's like, Cable's like the one person who can like calm Wade down and like make Wade listen, and it's his kind of, I know Cable. that like they're gonna do an everything Else in the planet with Deadpool right now because he's so popular, but I always like the two of them together.
0: Yeah, the Cable Deadpool series is really pretty good. Like it was, it was good. Deadpool Cable, eh, different thing, but Cable Deadpool was awesome. Um, all right, so let's see. I guess that'll be it for books, right? That was the uh, yeah, that was the last one. Cool. Uh, so uh, Rob, what'd you learn today? I learned that I can actually stomach Plastic
2: Man a lot more than I thought I could. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, as long as it's the right flavor of plastic man in you're yeah, okay. Yeah,
2: I guess like, I was kind of dreading the Terrifics cuz I was like, ah, plastic man.
0: <laughs> oh,
2: plastic man. But you know what? I I, I was wrong.
1: So, sp- speaking of flavor of plastics, do you guys remember Master of the Universe toys in the old days like oh, yeah. your stink or figure like was they bonded the plastic with patchouli oil, so like when you put it in like your bucket of toys or your toy box or wherever you stored any toy, it made all your toys smell all horrible. So like every kid, they got duped into buying that figure, like their figures smelled like patchouli. Do you guys remember that?
2: You know what? I I don't know if I ever had Stinkor hang out with the rest of the he
0: No, he usually just kept his own box. Yeah,
2: I, I liked I liked Stinkor. I had him. I had Mossman and Stinkor, and I don't think I put either of them with the rest.
1: And the way, like, I read this thing, like, this uh, scientific, like, explanation of how they made him, and that's why that the patchouli, like, never stops smelling, because the way that they bonded it with that plastic. The other figures quit smelling like it eventually, but, like, he never, like, to this day, he still smells like that.
2: Stink is still stinking it
1: up. And I, I hate <laughs> I hate the smell of patchouli. It's just, like, so
2: bad. You know what the worst thing is now? If you just get him a fashionable fla- flannel shirt and a little hat, he totally fits in. He's, he's a hipster now. <laughs> oh my gosh! Stink, Stinkor was like the first hipster. Sad but true. He could that's walk true. in and tell you that you're wrong. Like, your opinion's wrong. <laughs> whatever. I'm like it's I don't, because. I don't
0: like your colors. Your, your, skunk colors, gross. His stupid orange jacket. <laughs> mm.
2: Are, you, are you wearing gloves with no sleeves? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's cool. It's true. He did. Give him a pipe. Stinkor. A little first mustache. Hipster.
0: Curls up at the ends, like sniping whiplash. Could, he could just
2: do that with the sides of his face, the face hair on the sides. That's
0: true. He could because he's awesome.
1: furry. <laughs> man, so Josh, what'd you learn today? Um, man, it's always tough when you ask me this question because I don't learn very easy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I learned a new thing. I learned that evidently Stinkor was the first hipster. That's what I learned. That <laughs> didn't have anything to do with the comics.
1: <laughs> I learned that I miss Ross when we talk about Aquaman themed things, because I'm not a big Aquaman fan at all, so I just, like, when he's around, he makes it sound more interesting.
0: I understand that. He's Aqua Ross, after all, so...
1: Aquaros.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of the lore.
2: of Even a lot of, like, random, obscure DC villains, but, like, a lot of Aquamans still catch me. Like, the eel... I I never heard of the eel before in DC. I know the eel in Marvel...
0: You know the ill from Jad Joe. Yeah. It's not the same thing. No.
2: <laughs> but, you know, I like, it's cool that they're coming back and, and touching these characters, but like, he just got some more knowledge on it. So,
0: yeah. yeah. Teach their own, I guess. So, uh, Rob, what did I learn today?
2: you evidently learn that when somebody gets shot in the face and their guts, like, come popping out, you have a really odd response. Evidently, you think it's funny. (laughs) It's true. But the guy's like, oh, my viscera is all fan (laughs) on my face. Oh, this is is more terrible than I thought. (laughs) It's awesome. The worst thing is he keeps crawling around, like, in the the next couple panels, being like, oh, this is terrible. (laughs) And they're just carrying on their conversation, like, whatever. I actually wanted them to shoot him before long, just because it's like... You can't just like leave that guy there. He's got, he's got no chin. He's gonna show up later and be like, "You guys just left me." <laughs> yeah,
0: maybe he'll be returning character. We'll call him Chin Guts. <laughs> would be a good name for him, I guess.
2: I, I remember you like when you when you were look your your reaction to that was like, <laughs> "Oh man, it was awesome." And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> "It
0: wasn't." The guts are like
2: falling on his face. That was terrible. Just how, like, he's, just how he's talking about it. Yeah, it's great. I, I just. I was like, that is the most horrible thing to have. Ah,
0: so funny. Ah, good stuff. Um, All right. Uh, let's do a couple books to watch, and then we can wrap things up. Um, so I'll, I'll start, So I mentioned the plastic man, Gail Simone, which I'm super psyched for, because I think that'll be freaking great, because I love Gil Simone. I think she's amazing. Yeah. Awesome lady. Uh, her husband's a nice guy, too, actually. They're both really cool people. So I think that'll be cool. Um, I'm still super psyched for Death or Glory. Gl- gl- death or Glory. Gosh, I don't know why I couldn't remember that name. I think that'll be awesome. Saw a little more production artwork for it. I think it looks great. I think that'll be awesome. This Justice League Odyssey. I'm pretty stoked for now because like initially when I read the whole, oh here's the cast and it's like Darkseid. I'm like what? Like no no, Darkseid's gonna be like the Hannibal Lecter of the group. And I'm like what? Do Hang on. When was Hannibal Lecter ever part of a team? And I'm like, oh, well, I guess in that movie where he's the science of the lambs, he's in the cage, and they ask him questions, and he sort of leads into things. I'm like, that's not part of a team. you would be better off if he'd be like, no, he'd be like the Thanos from the Infinity Watch. And I'm like, that was a bad idea, too. Anyhow, the idea of him being young Thanos, the idea of him being like Kid Apocalypse, that stuff I like a lot. And granted, he's not a kid. He's like, from the depiction, he appears to be like in his 20s, maybe. So, like, think uh, young Loki, or Loki, Agent of Asgard. Like, I like that concept. I think that will be really cool. And I like a Justice League Dark. I mean, I do miss Constantine, but those are all three books I already talked about earlier. So there you go. Rob, any books to watch?
2: Yeah. You know what? Actually, I remember we did talk about the Justice League before, because one of them had Harley Quinn on it. And it was like that's, the smart guys.
0: That's not going to be a staying team. Like there's, So there's going to be a batch of teams that break up during the mini series. so the uh, No Justice mini oh, miniseries. Right. Okay. And then after No Justice spits out, these are two of the other teams. We're going to have a Justice League team, and then we're going to have a Justice League Odyssey and Justice League Dark. We're not totally sure what's happening with the Titans and the Teen Titans. However, they are getting... Special issues, also the same way, action and Superman are getting to wrap up whatever they're doing in the current stories. Hmm. So it's hard to say exactly what's happening with that because I don't think I've ever seen anything for it yet. But yeah, the the teams in the middle for the four part are very different teams too. But they're not teams that are staying apparently.
1: I hope they get like a star of Justice League starro. I hope he sticks around.
0: <laughs> well, he's in one of those, which is weird he's too. He's teaming
1: up a Superman in one of them, isn't he?
0: Uh, well, yeah, he's on one of the teams, so I don't... How that works in my head still doesn't make any damn sense, but all right. I guess we'll see how that goes. Uh, So,
2: for 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 me, I think actually X-Men Red has been fantastic with Jean Grey back and doing her thing. Um, We got the Nate Grey series to look forward to. I can't remember what they're going to call that. It's not Cable, so...
0: Yeah, I don't remember what the name of it was. Um...
2: I'm really excited to see Dan Slott's ending for his run with the Red Goblin.
0: Yeah, the Spider-Man stuff has been awesome.
2: And um I was I was actually pretty excited when free free to tell me like the Fantastic Four was going to have Dan Slott on it. I know there's people that are like, oh, I'm tired of Dan Slott, but whatever. Like I thought his run on Spider-Man has been fantastic and his take on Superior was great. Oh yeah, awesome. And this this whole Red Goblin thing has been really really cool. Um Astonishing X-Men has been fantastic. For DC, I'm really excited to see what Bendis' take on Superman's gonna be. And hopefully he can find a good way to balance the family. You know, we're not gonna have like a, uh, oh, I don't like writing for Damien kind of storyline going on where, you know, John just doesn't <laughs> appear in the book. I've actually really liked Where Titans Is Gone, so I'd be sad to see that one shut down, but... I know Justice League of America is shutting down and it's been fantastic. So, you know, pick up those last few issues of that. Birthright has been fantastic. They're doing some crazy stuff in The Walking Dead right now. We reviewed it just a little while ago. The Death Bed.
0: Oh, Deathbed. Book. Yeah. Deathbed. Uh, awesome.
2: Totally blew me away. So definitely check that one out. Deadly Class has been great. Uh, Copperhead, even though I think it's on hiatus right now, has been fantastic. So. And if I haven't said it already, I probably did, but Birthright, it's been...
0: Just a second ago.
2: Really good, yeah. Well, check that one out twice, buy two copies.
0: Hey! And just throw the other one away. <laughs> Surprising enough, that's the same guy writing the uh just League Odyssey, Joshua Williamson. There you go. So, good stuff. Uh Josh, any books to watch?
1: I'm getting kind of excited about this uh Shattered Grid Power Rangers storyline. We actually are going to see they've done some... Promo shots of like another character that's on Evil Tommy's side that you didn't realize was gonna be there, and she is a uh, just as evil as he is, which is crazy. So it's the evil, evil version of a Pink Ranger. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's gonna be quite the thing. Like it's a uh, seems really neat. It's a cool idea. So and then there's gonna be for one of the cons coming up. I'm not sure which one it is. I don't know if. PowerCon Con, maybe, is that one of them? That's like New York, San Diego, Power Con. More Wonder Con, maybe. was Con is probably the way you They did of. that uh that version of Tommy where he's both the White and the Green Ranger. They're doing an exclusive figure for one of those cons, which is kind of cool. Oh, that was cool. Yeah.
2: Man, yeah, that's neat. Yeah, you know, I, Power Rangers is one of those books that it would be pretty easy, I would think, as a creator, to just sit back and be like, I eh, just let it take care of itself, you know? We don't really need to break new ground, but, like, Shattered Dimension is a actually... Grid. I'm sorry, a Shattered Grid. Yep. Sorry, Spider-Man, Shattered Dimension. That's all right. But, um, like, that's actually pretty pretty big, because it's not following anything that any of the series have done.
1: And it's real dark. Yeah, so far. Because they're supposed to kill some people, too, so... And they're going to bring in some characters from the other, like, teams and stuff like that, but...
2: Well, yeah, Dark Tommy is definitely not just... oh. Uh, he just seems like he's a bad guy. No, he's a bad guy.
1: Well, he killed that 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 whole team. Yeah, uh, Jason, like to get the to get the White Ranger powers as well. Yep. And they actually in some of the promo shots, which are online, so I'm not like this isn't like a spoiler alert. and It might have already be out, but like the sword that talks, it's like kind of like Tommy's like, hey, do yeah, this. The, uh, the
2: White Ranger Tiger Sword. Yeah,
1: he like kills it. He like yes. breaks it in half. He's like, eh, quit talking to me, and like breaks its head off. Take that tiger sword. So yeah, that's pretty. Uh... It's super crazy.
2: And they did a freaking crazy thing with the one of the first issues. They polybagged it with a whole bunch of random issues inside.
0: Well, random covers. Random covers. The I mean... covers are so like when they did the first issue of the first series, we had the different helmets. This is the same idea, except it's Tommy holding the helmets, and they're kind of cracked. I guess.
2: Yeah. That's... Poly bagged up so you don't know which one you're going to get. Oh, exactly. so it's
0: a
1: blind draw? Yeah. Oh, that's cool.
0: Pretty neat. Um, all right. I think that is, that's it. Anything else? Um,
1: this is Rob's first take. We, I mean, the listening audience, like we, uh, CBS may have another podcast that we started doing, but so we kind of moved the podcast studios to a different place. Like, how'd you feel tonight? Feel a little bit more comfortable? How you feeling about everything? Not, not really that much of a difference. I'm trying to make things a little bit easier on everybody.
2: I'm, I'm a professional. This is normal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's what I like. The, the seat's
2: less hard, but honestly, for me, it's, it's, it's the same. But like, I do a lot of talking on the headset because I also have a YouTube channel.
0: That's true. E- either way,
2: oh,
1: YouTube yeah, channel. Tell about me about that. Yeah, you like, like, in
0: the End 2050? Yeah. 2050, 2050,
2: 2050, yeah. 2050, it's fine. As long as you're not a kid trying to call it on the phone. Remember they told you not to tell kids 9-11 because <laughs> they'd stupid. look for the 11 button?
1: Oh, right. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's an old
2: reference, right?
1: I didn't know that. That's funny.
2: Yeah, they, they said, like especially when we were growing up, they were like, don't tell your children 9-11 will look for the 11 button.
0: Because kids are stupid. 9-1-1. <laughs> that's right. 9-1-1's a joke in your town? That was a song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, if you go to the uh, top 5 Comics com, you can actually find a list of the different shows we do. Uh, it has the, this show on it, and then it has AMA 2050's YouTube channel. It has Never Been Done Podcast, which is the other podcast Josh was talking about. And if we can get Ross's Life and Gear After College stuff, which is more important, we're hoping they start a Nintendo Country channel, so we'll see. You know what it sounds like? Hmm. It sounds like we're doing a lot of stuff. It does. It, it does sound like you that. could. You could... Bonus your life by
2: picking up one of these podcasts.
0: That's true. You
2: know, so there's a lot of time you're driving, you're doing stuff, you're doing homework.
0: being that while you're doing homework, you're relaxing that's in nature.
2: You know, you're enjoying a babbling spring. That could be better with a podcast.
1: <laughs> if you're behind on books and you want to hear about some stuff, maybe like, oh, that's a good idea. Maybe. I'm, I mean, I'm appreciating you guys letting me be on periodically. Like I've enjoyed this. Like it's gotten me back into reading some more books that you know, like because I get a little bit too busy and lose my mind and like weeks go by and i'm like is it still january and it's april so that happened today mm-hmm. yeah for sure <laughs> well
2: sometimes you know maybe you want to just uh, you want to just have a discussion about a book and you're not sure where to go because if you go online you know what you're going to get loads of trolls loads of them all, all the comic book guy
0: <laughs>
1: every single one of them and, like, and cbs
0: I don't do troll stuff, though. I mean, occasionally I'll be like, oh, spoiler alert, this one, Jesus dies. Oh. <laughs> no, it's also Passover. It doesn't matter. Keep going. I guess so. <laughs> it's a joke because it's Easter Sunday. But, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you, you
2: go, oh, hey, I didn't see Hope in a while, and then you get, like, five responses like, oh, she was just in this book. She was just in Jean Grey number 11. Oh, my God. Why didn't you know that? Like, who knows that?
1: I'm not reading Gene Grey. You know what I say unto that? I can't wait till I get to your house and you find out that I set your house on fire. Did you know that? <laughs> See, that's, that's, and they're going to be like,
2: <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's the, that's the problem with going online to get your stuff on a, on a blogosphere. You should just come to, just come to the show.
0: That's true. And then you get good results. And those of you that are listening, you should tell your friends. You know, maybe, what? maybe tell them that it's better than it is, but tell them that they come in anyway. And leave a comment on YouTube. Actually, not YouTube. Sorry, on iTunes? iTunes, I yeah. It. So, like, okay, so if you get all the way to the end of the show, then get it on you. You get two points. Yeah,
1: Follow it, pro. rate it, comment.
0: Right. So the first, well, I guess, I don't know, the first five new comments that show up on iTunes, we will have digital codes for our random comic book because we have a whole batch of those things.
2: Because we love you and yeah, we want to hear from you. Exactly. And honestly, you know what? You even want to go further than that? Not only will you get the thing if you're one of those first few, if you're like, hey, I would really like to know what your guys' take is on sideways, put that out there. Because, you know, we we wouldn't mind talking about a book that you want to hear about. Sure. You know? Maybe you want to know what's going on in Doomsday Clock.
1: Yeah. Throw it out there. Finally a fourth we, issue of that. We That's that. You don't mind good. talking
2: about it, you know? Or maybe you're like... Hey, I don't understand why these numbers are the way we are. Maybe we'll take a few minutes to, like, talk about legacy numbers or whatever. You know, put your questions out there so we can respond to them, both on the site and on the show.
0: Sure. So, okay, so now, now, now we're done? Because that was, like, a wrap-up that was way longer or than Or put your opinions else.
1: on there so I can tell, them that, tell you that they're wrong. Yeah. Is that a good one? No.
0: No, Probably that's not. not. Well, I mean, if they are wrong, then, then, of course, they need to be told. Otherwise, they'll never learn. The <sighs> yeah, we're done. Tiki. Tiki! Don't die. Tiki! Stupid. Not gonna do it. Right? See, Mike and Josh will get along real well. Not gonna do it, boat in the don't die boat. Cause you really shouldn't die if you're in a boat cause you're basically drowning. You guys are all burned up, pulling up, Swing? That's all you can play
1: when you